the Lord give you his peace. Amen. Good morning. I love this story, the encounter of the short man Zacchaeus, the city of Jericho, and uh, all of those passages where we are given the account of a real personal encounter with Christ. I think you could almost build a whole retreat on all of those passages, you know, and the way the Holy Spirit inspired the evangelists to uh, preserve the memory of these encounters for us. Um, I would like to propose that every detail of that encounter is loaded with meaning. Every little detail is loaded with meaning. So we're told that Jesus is going to come to Jericho. Why are we told the name of the city? Because, well, there was a town. And there are other passages where we're told, oh, there was a town. But this, we're told it was Jericho. And as you know, Jericho, there's a lot of history there. And uh, immediately, the thing that you think of is the falling of the walls, right, with Joshua. So we have a new Joshua coming through Jericho. He's intending to pass through the town. Why are we told that? It's a curious detail, huh? So he, this was his plan. He was going to move on. And I was almost thinking about Joshua and the conquest. They, Jericho was the first city they hit when they got into the Holy Land. And then they marched around it seven days. And you know, the walls came down, but they were moving on. right? God was giving them the whole land. So Jericho was the first stop in multiple stops to take the whole promised land, this prophecy that had been given through Abraham. So uh, Jesus, like the old Joshua, is intending to pass on through. And um, he changes his mind. You know, he, he uh, has this encounter with Zacchaeus. And he changes his mind. And, uh, I, you know, I was praying over, what does that mean? Why, why are we being told that Jesus had intended originally just to keep on going, but he encounters this little short guy up in a tree and changes his mind. And um, I was thinking of the, uh, well, the true humanity of Jesus, he, you know, true man, and uh, the working of the Holy Spirit. You know, he, uh, in his humanity, he's living life. He's experiencing life as we do in a human way, and he encounters something, and he responds to what he's encountering, you know, and he changes. The Spirit had moved him. You know, I think we could say the way the Holy Spirit worked in his life, and his mission, the guidance of the Holy Spirit moved him to change his plans, and the same Holy Spirit was at work in Zacchaeus as well. Um, so Zacchaeus, uh, we're told he was a tax collector. He was very wealthy. We're told that he was seeking to see Jesus. So this, this guy is, for some reason, he is longing to see Jesus. He's, he's wanting, he's desiring, he, he's really interested in who knows why. We're, you could speculate. Why, why was he so interested? You probably heard the stories, huh? That this miracle worker, this possible Messiah, this Jesus, celebrity, you know, whatever it is, you know, the word was out. There, this uh, Yeshua of Nazareth. Um, so he has this desire to see Jesus, but there's something going on in his life that's hindering the fulfillment of that desire. It's his shortness, shortness of stature. And uh, he is willing to do something to overcome the hindrance. And I was thinking, you know, with the old Joshua, the walls came down, the new Joshua, in some ways, he climbs up the tree to see over the wall that was blocking his view. I'm trying to see some parallels here. But Zacchaeus is willing to do something to overcome what's hindering him from the fulfillment of his desire to see Jesus. And then they see one another, there's an encounter, and not only is Jesus, could have said to Zacchaeus, well, take a good look now that you can see me, you know, from the tree. But um, 
come on down because I'm actually coming to your house. I'm going to stay at your house, which um, there's something also very beautiful and profound about that idea that, that Jesus would come and stay at his house. There are other passages where Jesus says the father and I would come in and make our home. You know, so there's a, what would we, we would end up saying like the theology of the, uh, the, the Trinity dwelling in our soul through grace, sanctifying grace, you know, God comes to make his home in us and we make our home in him. Um, so that's the structure of the encounter right there. So uh, just a couple of ideas. First of all, um, Zacchaeus's desire to see Jesus, he was seeking to see Jesus. That is an expression of something that is really human, that it's very, very human. And it's something that's in the heart of every human person to seek God. It's in our blueprint, it's in our DNA, it's how God has made us. We were made for him, right, St. Augustine. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna quote that quote that everybody quotes. You know, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. But the question is, for, for us, we can be more or less in touch with that part of ourselves. You know, some people are not in touch with the part of themselves that desires to see God. You know, and that's, it's been rejected, that's atheism or agnosticism or, you know, that the distractions of the world, we could become blind or dull to that part of our own heart. So uh, a work of the Holy Spirit is to awaken that part of us that seeks the other, that seeks the divine, that seeks God, seeks our maker, seeks our destiny, seeks to know the meaning and purpose of our lives. You know, like the, I don't think that dogs or cats have that existential experience, but we do. So uh, what can we do to, uh, to be more in touch with that part of our heart? What can we do to awaken and enkindle a greater desire to see God, a, a spiritual hunger, a spiritual thirst? What can we do to make that stronger in, in our hearts? Um, well, prayer, <laughs> you know, uh, fasting, as we become physically hungry and physically thirsty, because we're body and soul, maybe somehow that, that physical experience can lead the spirit to hunger and thirst more greatly for God. Um, maybe making concrete efforts to uh, fast from sin or things in us that hinder the desire. Um, and then once we encounter in our own hearts things that, that are hindering us from seeing God, for him it was being short, but for each one of us we have things in our own heart, things about ourselves that are hindering that fulfillment of the desire to see God. Wow. What, are we going to be willing to do something concrete to overcome that hindrance? For him it was, uh, you know, you can imagine for a man to climb a tree in the middle of a crowd, it's a little embarrassing, you know. He had to humble himself. So I would propose that we need to humble ourselves in order to overcome the, the hindrances, the things that might be stopping us from seeing God more fully. Um, ultimately, we know that sin is the thing that makes that connection weak, or in some cases with mortal sin, it breaks the connection, you know. Um, so what are we willing to do to confront that sin, confront those hindrances head on? What are we willing to do? Are we willing to... Uh, to really go for it, you know, really get after it. To, to, uh, so in, in that vein, I was thinking about the um, sacrifices that God had asked of the Israelites in the Old Testament, particularly after they came out of Egypt, that sacrificial system 
was uh, in some ways a judgment on the false gods they had. You know, they had all these deities that they had worshipped in Egypt, this paganism of Egypt. And those very deities were the things they had to sacrifice, the bulls and the, you know, all this animal imagery. And um, so would we be willing to sacrifice things that are false gods for us? And uh, there's a, a, a plethora of examples that, that could be there, you know, things that are in some ways a, a false god for us. Would we be willing to actually take something that is a false god and sacrifice it? Um, it's a kind of a colorful imagery, you know, <laughs> taking this thing and putting it on an altar, and cutting it up or burning it, you know, whatever, making a sacrifice um, so that we could uh, overcome the hindrances of our desire to see God, to know God. And, uh, and then it's interesting, right? After Jesus says, okay, I'm changing my mind. We're going to come and stay at your house and have dinner. Um, Zacchaeus has this spontaneous reaction, you know, about writing the wrongs that he has done as a tax collector. If there's any, anybody that I have cheated, I will pay it back. What does he say, fourfold? Golly, you know, he's going above and beyond what is just. And uh, that is an expression of generosity. It's an expression of love. Only love does things like that, you know. It's like, um, I'm going to do more than what's required. Um, you know, I'm not going to be a minimalist here. I'm going to be a maximalist, you know. And it's very similar to the rich young man, huh? Jesus is saying to the rich young man, uh, why don't you sell all you have, get to the poor and come follow me? It's almost like uh, Zacchaeus is responding to Jesus' invitation to the rich young man. You've got a rich old man, Zacchaeus, who without being asked is spontaneously and generously offering to just go above and beyond to right the wrongs to make restitution and uh, reparation for his own sins. So somehow his wealth is connected with his, his struggle, you know. Maybe he had found himself in a place where all of the, the materialism and wealth had left him empty, and that's the thing that awoke the desire to see God in his heart. That does happen to some people. And I love this line, today salvation has come to this house. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save what is lost. Um, brothers, Jesus, is inviting us to be a part of that. God is still seeking to save what was lost. He is the hound of heaven. And our vocation as religious friars and as priests, we are caught up in that mystery. You know that he wants to seek the lost through us. And to the degree that we are open and generous and motivated by love for God, love for souls, that is the degree that God can use us as instruments to go out and seek what is lost, you know, to seek and to save. And uh, it is a wonderful privilege, and it's humbling because you know that you yourself are kind of lost, and you yourself are in need of, of God's salvation, that uh, we who minister God's mercy to others do so knowing that we need the mercy ourselves and that we are lost ourselves in uh, so anyways, pulling all of that together, we have a desire for God. We need to do what we can to strengthen that part of our heart. We have things within us that hinder the fulfillment of that desire, sins. We need to be ready and willing to generously, radically uh, uh, overcome. What do we ought to do to overcome the things that are hindering us from coming closer to God, from becoming saints? and then also to participate in his seeking out of what is lost. And uh, we pray for that grace this day.